0: Welcome to Financial SOS, a roundtable discussion on all topics related to finance and long-term financial stability. Today, we'll be discussing post-pandemic game plans and how to equip for best and worst case scenarios. I'm Phoenix, your moderator and marketing perspective. Meet your very experienced and savvy hosts, Colin Doyle, certified CPA and owner of Doyle Tax Group,
1: Howdy, out.
0: How? <laughs> Joseph, or Joe Gissey, Chief Operation Officer of Capital Management Services. Hello. Great. And then we also have Jonathan Pace, Investment Advisor for Capital Management Services. Hi there. So, as most of you know, California lightly entered Phase 2 of 4 in reopening the state this past Friday. This is encouraging to specific businesses as they are now allowed to open curbside pickup but it really isn't the needle mover for the majority of businesses. So if you are a business that has been affected by the pandemic, what steps do you suggest to take at this time?
1: Well, I, I'd say from <laughs> a business standpoint, uh, it's it's pretty critical that uh, you start to isolate where your new markets are going to be. Um, services are dramatically different than they used to be. Um, so understanding what, what the need is, what you're capable of fulfilling, and where your county is allowing you to, to fill is, is pretty critical. Um, there's more of a need now than ever to have good systems and structures since people are more located separately from each other. Um, so seeing, seeing what demand is out there in the clients and, and seeing how you can curtail your services, I think, are super critical. There's tons of incentives, tax bonuses, more or less free money being lent out to the businesses to operate. Um, So if you have a vision and a plan and you know how to get to your clients now, um, you have almost unlimited funding sources being made available to you. Um, So short-term liquidity is being quickly eliminated as an issue. Uh, But there's a greater issue is the market is dramatically different than it used to be. Um, So how how do you reach out to your clients, I think, is the number one question on top of everyone's mind.
2: Well, I think... I think right now it's uh it, it's kind of interesting because you you're you're forced to adapt and I guess in periods of of history when when you know things happen in human nature and all of a sudden we're kind of forced to make a change there's been a a lot of people that have wanted to to make some structural changes or just some way changes that they went to market and different changes on how they gathered clients a lot of people have wanted to you know whether that be more online or reaching out through social media or doing zoom meetings, whatever it is uh, now is kind of the time to really implement some systems and and really adapt to um, what's going on in the market. Because the the world, even though it it feels like it's kind of slowed down, uh, it's getting ready to, to really just, you know, slingshot back up in a way um, and, and you just have to be prepared for that.
3: Yeah, I agree with all that. I think there's definitely some pent-up demand right now. I went to Home Depot on Saturday, and the line was just out out to the parking lot. So you know that there's people wanting to do things. And I think if you can figure out what do people need and want right now and try to fill that need, um, I agree with what you're saying, Joe. I think this is kind of like a, a slingshot right now. We're pulling it back. And once everything gets going, if, if you can position yourself right,
2: you know, you're going to let go and really ride that wave. Hey, Colin, so you've you've done a, a series called Pivot, right, right? Or, or something similar to that over the last few weeks. What has if, if you don't mind sharing what are, what have been a few things that a few of, of the local business owners have been doing to to pivot from what they were doing previously to adapting to what's going on today. I could tell you from, you know, Jonathan and, and our perspective in the finance industry, but I'm interested to see what, what some of the other businesses have been, have been doing.
1: Well, I think um, <clears throat> businesses are seeing what other people have done historically uh, in the recent few years and definitely taking more advantage. For instance, I have a, a colleague of mine that's a personal trainer, um, and she's converted almost all of her in-person trainings uh, to virtual, and has actually received more income than she did before with less overhead. Um, wow! And did that almost overnight. And I was that was I was blown away by that because me personally, I, I need a trainer in my face that's going to say do it. I'm going to feel guilty <laughs> if they're looking at me. I'm not doing it. Um, and over a, a Zoom call or something else, I'm like, well, she's not here. So I mean, you know, do I really need to do it? Um, <laughs> And I, I've seen that, too, with, uh, with a therapist uh, as well. They were actually saying that people are more comfortable being vulnerable over the Zoom call than they were in person. So she's able to get wow. to the, uh, the, the meat of the issue or the nuts and bolts of it uh, much quicker and much more effectively. And she's actually enjoying it even more. Um, and so out of two industries that I would think historically would be very hard to service your clients in the same way as you were before, both of them are seeing greater success. And I'm seeing that too, where zoom calls, um, you know, w- when you have in-person meetings, you can feel people out, you see their body language, posturing, you see how comfortable they are with the conversation. You can curtail it to make sure that you're delivering as they need. Um, but on zoom calls, you don't have that in person, but you do kind of have a full visual image of at least from their head or u- their waist up. Um, and, and you can kind of analyze them in a different way. You can see their, their facial structure and their shoulder. And in person, it's kind of creepy if you're just staring at someone nonstop. Um, but over a Zoom call, you get to actually like, look at somebody. It's accepted. Yeah, it's accepted. <laughs> they, they can't yeah. tell, are you staring at me? You're staring at that picture, but they don't know. Uh, right. So, you, you know, your ability to engage with people is a bit different. Um, right. But I, I almost find that um, people are more comfortable in the safety and comfort of their own homes or their, uh, sure. their preferred location. And people are actually uh, almost easier to work with in that regard. There is still a big technical hurdle on people that aren't, right. haven't been comfortable historically with Zooms and other setup. Um, so there's a need to bridge that technology gap. But once you get through that piece, and a lot of things can be one-click uh, add-ins. Um, so if you h- overcome that hurdle, I actually kind of find people are starting to enjoy it more Um, and then your overhead is so much less, um, that you're actually able to be more profitable and and happier. Um, I'm, I'm
2: really interested to see what happens with, uh, some of the larger corporations with, uh, the high rise and the, you know, thousands of employees. Uh, my wife happens to work for a large company. I won't mention who it is, but, uh, you know, that they're, trying to figure out you know how to reopen and what what's it going to look like because you have multiple floors with you know hundreds of employees on each floor but right now everybody is is connecting you know via Zoom and it seems like you know, some companies have already shifted to where most like sales and marketing and and people had been working from home and that seems to to work out really well for them but for some of the larger businesses there's going to have to be a a, a major transition you
0: know. I think this is a beautiful opportunity. I mean, I'm coming from a marketing pers- perspective as always, but there's a beautiful opportunity for shifting, like you said, pivoting. Um, all that energy that was spent into sales and, and, and campaigns, right? That's great. Now let's use that brain and that energy to find you know, another hole in the market, a whole new market right now that needs to be addressed. For example, IT that you were talking about. Now everybody needs a way to work from home. If this is gonna be our new normal, um, how do we adapt? How do we make sure that our line of business isn't lost? And do we need to completely restructure in order for us to succeed long term? Right. It's really not being woe is me. It's really going, OK, this is an opportunity. How can I boom? Um, and that to me, I think, has been a really big thing for our guests on Pivot. Uh, friends that I know, for example, estheticians. Estheticians are in person. This is something that you don't do from afar. You don't do on Zoom. Um, I know somebody who decided to do uh, a palette of different nails, for example, and sell them pre made that you can like paste on sounds like I know the audience I'm talking to right now. Everyone's like (laughs) over my head. Right. But the beauty of this is that she had created this and it sold out in minutes. Wow. Because women like to, you know get their nails done. Men like to get a haircut. It's like a different, you know, it's a good feeling. Right. And if they have the capability of doing it themselves and the tools, they're going to buy that service.
2: So, you know what I think it's, I'm sorry. You know what I think this is going to do? I think this is going to create, um, believe it or not, I think it's going to connect more personally to people because it's going to force people that would not normally be, be seen out in the community to do podcast to to start doing things on social media maybe they they weren't comfortable with it before or they just weren't in there before I, I was one i've been one of those people i'm not really on facebook i'm not really out there in that that universe but it is forcing us to have to do that and by doing that what it's creating it's creating you know more people to see you and see your personality where you know, for Jonathan and I, and in, in our business, you know, we used to, to do a lot of seminars, workshops, dinners, all these things, just so people can can get to know us. Um, but this is creating like that atmosphere for for all kinds of people and all kinds of businesses. Because you know, when you shop for a service, you know what service you you're gonna find. I mean, you can do a, a Yelp review, or or you know, go to the Bus- Better Business Bureau, and you can see you know how how businesses are, and you're get, and you kind of know what service you're looking for. But when you're looking for, you know, a personal service and you're trying to find a personality or somebody that you're you're going to mesh with, uh, I think this new world or this new adaption is going to create more connectivity um, with better, you know, better serving your personalities, at least at least in my opinion.
0: Right.
1: I've also noticed, too, the um, the importance for structure. Um, so as we have staff working at different locations and places, and we're working with different people at different parts where one, I could just go meet with you for lunch. We could talk about a few clients, um, now having a really good finite plan on where different action points are going to take place is even more critical. And, and for operationally, like running your business and for also making sure that you're seeing after your client's long-term interests, that plan is essential anyways. Uh, now it just puts a bit more emphasis on, on that, that, that building and that communication with your client on that piece. And I found that it's forced me to formalize a few things that I've been comfortable leaving a little looser. Um, And now there's a absolute requirement to keep them a lot more documented. And so for anything, I think it's actually pushed things that I've needed to do historically for a while. And I think that's true with a lot of businesses that they have to plan. They, they can no longer, uh, take for granted that clients will come in, um, or they can meet them. Now they have to find a way, um, to foresee what those needs are going to be. So working on your business is now a lot more critical. And I think the rewards are so much greater. Um, like, uh, you know, the personal trainer has set up classes, she's got a, she can't wait to see well, uh, until someone comes into the shop and says, okay, I can see you're walking a little bit odd on your left foot. Uh, did you heard it recently and then curtail the workout accordingly. Now there has to be a bit more of a, uh, reach out and a prep plan, uh, ahead of time before that workout. Um, yeah. it's something that probably should have been done all along. Uh, now, now it's essential. And I think that we have a, we have ability to build some much more finite plans and the need for our clients to kind of fit into those plans and understand the need that they communicate that part well is even more important in both of our businesses. You know, we have if we're really serving our clients long term interest, we we have to develop a pretty, pretty fine tuned plan. Um, so I think that, that provides a lot more benefit for those of us that can organize in that way. Sure.
0: So from from a financial perspective, which is perfect because all three of you are really, really well versed in this. Right. Um, I wanted to talk about two kind of categories of this. So for those businesses or individuals, sole proprietors that need funding, immediate funding right now, but need a strategy plan with the funding they receive from the government, I kind of want to walk through the different um, loans and or grants and or whatever is available now, uh, how to obtain them, a little information. And then we'll walk into investing or investments and and kind of where you feel both you, uh, Joe and Jonathan, uh, is appropriate right now. So let's go ahead and go into the EIDL versus the PPP loan. I know a lot of people have been hearing these acronyms and they're like, "I don't know what this means." So any of you, go ahead and take it away.
2: Yeah, Colin, why don't you why don't you take <laughs> that away and we'll get it to the investment side. <laughs> be great.
1: So um, the EIDL, the infamous and famous uh, ten thousand dollar free money grant, uh, just about everybody. That, that knows anything about finance or has Googled anything has heard about it. Everyone wants that, that, the free money. Um, that plan originated as a $10,000 grant uh, for, for businesses or entrepreneurs or uh, sole proprietors. And it turned into $1,000 per employee um, and then got, over, uh, got underfunded, then got returned. And uh, most of that money has been dispersed. They also have the FBA, which is instead of a traditional plan where it has working capital, and evaluation of the business uh, viability. Now it's basically no credit run, um, nominal interest, and it's deemed as more of a bridge loan, but instead of high interest, it's almost no interest. Um, So that's out there. There's the PPP plan, which is the paid protection program. And that one offers uh, subsidizing businesses for keeping your staff on payroll. Um, And now you have an option where the government's more or less giving you free money if you comply Um, with allowing you to keep your staff paid so that they stick around so you have a thriving business when things come back. Um, On top of that, there's the stimulus, which is the $1,200 plus extra 500 or so per kid. Uh, That money has largely been distributed to most people that file electronically and still getting mailed out over the course of the year. And then we'll have a whole nother uh, second stimulus round that'll be coming out soon. And that one will have probably a mix of the SBA, IEDL, PPP, and the stimulus. It's going to have a combination of all those pieces uh, being sent out to the general public. And even though the economy is starting to come back, you're seeing businesses start to open. If you look at the freeways and the streets, you're seeing the activity out there. You're definitely seeing the demand. Uh, People want to get back to work. Americans love to work. Um, You're seeing, even though these things are coming back, the government is very vested in uh, producing a, a, a second stimulus round that kind of combines all those into another variation, and which is still being kind of debated between the two different sides, looks like there's going to be a combination of some free money and then a combination of large business support with uh, liability protection for employers and payroll tax reductions.
3: So, Colin, I have a more maybe nuanced question for you. Um, I have a couple clients that are, you know, sole proprietors. Um, and maybe they don't necessarily pay themselves like, a uh, a paycheck, right? So in their case, could they apply for the PPP? It sounds like the idle loan maybe isn't even an option anymore. What would you, what would you say there?
1: Uh, absolutely. I would say maybe a third, if not half of the clients we've assisted with PPP loans are sole proprietors. Um, that one gets a little complicated because you can use your self-employed earnings as a qualifying factor to get the loan, although most major lending institutions like banks are really relying heavily on payroll filings, and you may not file your own payroll filings if you're a solopreneur. Um, however, that uh, through alternative sources, you are still qualifying for those loans. To make it non-repayable, you'll need to run some money through payroll, uh, which isn't super complicated, an extra hoop. Um, and then you get to cover some of your base overhead, such as rent and utilities. If it's a home office, you can use a portion of those. Um, so applying for it, you'll use your self-employed income from the previous year, mm-hmm. and then qualifying to make it non-repayable, you'll run, you'll have uh, payments e- equaling the amount of the PPP loan, um, run partly run through payroll and partly as payments to those uh, the rent and uh, utility portions. And if home office, then a fraction of what you're paying presently uh, for your home portion. So they are actually uh, a big part of the market on who is applying and getting accepted on those. Oh, that's
3: cool. It's really nice to talk to someone who knows about it because when you try to Google this stuff, it's like you get <laughs> 5,000 different articles and it's really hard to know, you
1: know how to decipher it all. You know, in the traditional news cycle, you can research, you can investigate, you can uh, verify, and then you can publish. And that whole cycle is a period and now i'm finding it's changing every 3 days. Yeah. and so by the time that article's published it's probably outdated right. on what's being made available. so big part of the reason why i think it's so critical to mm-hmm. have this this project and these pieces coming out cuz you know if you're not looking at it live or the same week it's pretty likely that it's now changed. yeah,
2: no, it's a really good point. you know i i learned that a, i learned that a long time ago i i used to subscribe to the wall street journal go figure finance. <laughs> And uh, I would go to Yahoo News and an article would show up on Yahoo like three days before I would get it at my doorstep hmm. from the Wall Street Journal, the exact same article. It drove me nuts. <laughs> I, I finally canceled my, my subscription. So- <laughs> The digital age. which
0: the, the PPP, the stimulus, Um, I noticed you, you spoke about unemployment. The PUA, I think, has the most- question marks behind it a lot of people don't know what it means also who qualifies for it and you know jonathan you touched on sole proprietors yeah. so colin what is your take on the pua what is the pua
1: so unemployment as a whole has had a huge overhaul um to the point where a lot of people are earning more money on unemployment than they were at their private job and what implications that has we'll we'll see it sometime to come um <laughs> I, I I don't think it'll necessarily be good for everybody. Um, but in the short term liquidity, people are able to pay their bills and they're not they don't need to panic, um, which is good for everybody. Um, and then the uh, so the the traditional unemployment, uh, which is W-2 workers, worked a job, you get a portion of what your normal uh, compensation was. And now you get additional money on top of that um, so that you're made whole and then a little extra. The newer aspect to that, which I think a lot of our clientele are probably going to be very interested in, is the self-employed portion, which is something new that has never existed in the history of the United States. Um, It's a brand new program where people that have not paid into unemployment insurance are now eligible to receive that. Um, And the benefits aren't as it's not based necessarily on your prior net income. So you're definitely not going to be made whole. Um, but you are receiving weekly benefits of 165 or so, plus an extra 600. And so, when you add that up, um, you're going to get, you're definitely going to be able to survive and pay for your bills. Um, the application process is a bit more complicated, although it goes to the typical EDD application site. Um, the questionnaire that you fill out is, is a little bit more of a nuance. Um, but once you overcome that hurdle, you do the same self uh, certification every couple of weeks to to prove that you're still out there trying to get work and self-employed individuals now are eligible to get the, uh, the PUA program um, so they can they can definitely pay their bills and you can backdate some of that to uh, earlier parts of March.
3: So back to my earlier question, could you apply if you were like a solopreneur type of thing, you could apply for the PUA and the PPP?
1: Correct. Okay. Correct. They're, uh, they're not um, usually exclusive. So you can, um, you can even do the EIDL. um, So the, the grant money, you can do a short-term bridge loan with SBA and you can do the PPP. Um, You, and you can also get unemployment insurance. Wow. Um, You can get all these things. Uh, What you can't do is get more than one PPP at a time, Um, What you can't do is there's also another piece to that, which is a payroll tax reduction. Um, So they are sponsoring a significant portion of your payroll taxes for your employees if you don't qualify for the PPP. And various people that are involved in uh, nonprofit arenas, uh, some government aspects and the cannabis industry are prohibited from getting the PPP loans. Um, so their alternative is the payroll tax reduction, which, which can be just as lucrative. I just got off the phone with an attorney client of mine earlier this morning who is uh, very successful. And because one of her avenues is advising cannabis landowners, um, because she's a real estate attorney, on how to work that part, because she derives some of her income, uh, she can't qualify for the PPP loan. So she did the payroll tax reduction in lieu. Um, and that's when you can't do both but everything else you can pretty much apply for each one of those and get each one of those individually. Wow, interesting. So cool. So yeah, well, we're gonna call you after this. So don't <laughs>
0: worry. Um. Great, so now that we're at worst case scenario, worst case scenario is you have no money, you need money. These are some channels where you can get some funding, right? And, and I'm gonna direct this question to Colin and then it'll actually turn into a question for both you, Joe and Jonathan, is now that you've received this funding, where are we allocating this? How are we putting it in the right buckets in order for us to have long-term success and not drive ourselves into a deeper hole? And then we'll go ahead and transfer it over to you, Jonathan and Joe about, okay, well, we still have funds. We're good, but how do we invest? Is it appropriate to invest, et cetera? So Colin, go ahead.
1: So to I mean, The the easiest aspect to qualify for the PPP, it needs to go into compensation. I think right now it's running through payroll aspects. Um, It also needs to cover your overhead the rent utility aspects just to qualify for that being non-repayable. On top of that, that's just so that your loan is deemed a grant. But beyond that, you have a business to run. Um, You need right now, I think investment into... uh, Good structure for remote setup between your staff members and how that's going to be communicating extremely well amongst your team members. And advertising, how you're going to be getting out to your new market of, of clients is really critical. And, uh, and security. Um, I think those aspects are really, really important. Both of our industries work with extremely sensitive information. Um, and the need to keep that secure amongst no longer having your, your staff internalized is, I think, a a greater need and concern out there, especially for providing consumer confidence that despite all this switch up, you have a very solid plan on protecting them and how you're going to, regardless of where your team members are located, you're still going to have the continuity of service. Um, So that structure, the marketing, uh, as well as that good quality tech setup remotely, I think is very, very important. And then seeing how, how your clients respond and understanding where your emerging markets are. Um, So evaluating your sales on where are they coming in and what are their needs? Um, We don't have the same tools to evaluate people as we did before. So looking at some of those metrics, I think is extremely important nowadays, more so than it's been before. Um, And all I got to say is the stock market. Wow. Um, (laughs) Should there be a
0: portion of those funds uh, allocated for potential tax. And this is coming from someone who knows nothing. <laughs> so.
1: Yes, I mean, the the PUA will be deemed taxable. So monies that you are getting from uh, self-employment or uh, traditional unemployment income will be taxed. Um, some of the other payroll tax reductions are still being talked about how those are going to be treated, um, whether or not those will be taxable or not, then the PPP loan itself um, Putting money aside for those taxes, I would say plan as you historically have percentage of your income. Most people are self-employed, probably have a decent idea based on their income, how much they're going to need to pay in. Um, While I do always recommend saving for that and paying into that, um, it's pretty likely the government's going to offer an enormous amount of forgiveness on paying that tax over a long period of time with a substantial reduction, if not elimination of penalty and interest for not paying timely. I think having cash liquidity uh, for taking advantage of opportunity and cash liquidity for the unknown coming up is really, really important. Um, although I don't necessarily recommend you stay all in cash. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know exactly where the safest places in the market are. Um, we've certainly seen more volatility in the last few months than I think we've seen in my lifetime. Um, and, uh, it's an incredibly fascinating time to, to see where we think the market's going to go with printing money and quantitative easing, the rise of digital currencies and overall the health of businesses as a whole, as that ties into their stock price, which is something I would love to hear
0: from you guys. Right. So Jonathan and and Joe, this is perfect, a perfect transition. So from an investment standpoint, is it time to be conservative or to go ahead and hit hard?
3: Well, I was going to say you better uh, because, you know, I'm going (laughs) to, I I won't let you if if I go first. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, Well, I think like even more basic than that, I think one thing that it's important to point out is the stock market and the economy are not meant to match up linearly. And I think a lot of people get that confused where they think the stock market and the economy are kind of one and the same, but they're really not. And if I if we go back to the last crisis, um, I think it's a little bit um, instructive. From 2007 to 2009, GDP only contracted 5%. And when people hear that now, I think that's kind of surprising because the stock market fell over 50%, right? So by 2008 logic, the market should be down 100%. And we're seeing a lot of destruction to small businesses, yet we've seen one of the best markets in like, you know, 30 or 40 years. So I think a lot of people are very confused by what's going on. And there's a lot of variables that come into play. I think one of the biggest variables today, as opposed to 2008, is how fast the Fed stepped in. It was way deeper into the last crisis that the Fed stepped in, and it was literally days where they stepped in this time. So you don't really have to agree with every aspect of you, you know, the, the bailout or the rescue programs, but I think we can all agree that one is needed right now.
2: And um, yeah, Joe, I'll let, you, I'll let you go in more detail <laughs> if you want. Well, um, man, where to start on this thing. Let's just, um, let me start with this, this little disclaimer. If, if you're gonna invest, get a professional. And no, that's not a plug because we're, we're in the finance business, but the truth be told uh, the stock market is not meant for, for the person who just wants to be the gambler or somebody who's just going to dabble on it. If if you can't afford to lose your money, then you shouldn't play the stock market. Um, the, it's, it's a growth engine. It's, it's there to, to accumulate some wealth and it's, it, you can use that money later in life, but the problem is um we start getting this gambler mentality where all of a sudden uh you know i've had my phone you know from even relatives calling you know i got this stock i want i want to buy you know what what do you think about it or you know they might call and ask about bitcoin or gold because you know when everything's going down they want to shift all their money over there and um the bottom line is you 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 need to find a professional that that understands the market and has um, some type of strategy. And I'll I'll give you guys advice. I gave my mother yesterday being mother's day said, Hey, look, you know, you have some money. uh, Let's take 80% of that. I'll put it into one of the strategies that our company will do. And 20% of that will be for fun, you know, and that, that was good for her. That's could be good for you or not. I don't know. But the bottom line was let's, let's, play with your 20% and those, those companies you want to do, great. We're going to invest in those. Whether or not I like it is irrelevant, but you really like it because um, that seems novel to you. Uh, there are a lot of experts that believe that we have yet to reach the bottom. We've been overvalued for a long time. Historically speaking, the, the bull markets, the markets that go up, usually about seven years eight years tops and and we have one that was over a decade old so we knew we were ready for some type of of something to happen i mean we didn't know we were going to have a global pandemic but but we knew something was going to happen and and we we even though we're reopening the economy even though we're seeing more cars on the road you know here in california uh there's still this after effect of all the stuff that has happened up to this point and we still have all this effect that's going to happen, you know, even coming in the next few months. And if we go from a valuation standpoint, I'm not going to throw a bunch of numbers out there. That's not really what I want to do to the poor listeners. But um, <laughs> there, there's a lot of room for the market to drop. And if you're not in the right type of strategy that can get in and out of the market and kind of tactfully, um, you know, you can be in cash for a little bit and then you can be back in the market and you can go to cash and go back to the market. It's, it's what, uh, some guys use as, as a tactical strategy. And, and those are the more of the strategies that work right now, uh, in the volatile times, you know, the old school Warren Buffett, you'd buy and hold. That's, that's great. If you're never going to touch it, you know, for 20, 30 years, and the guy is super successful and made a lot of money and a lot of people like to listen to him. but nobody can handle, a 30% market dip, like we had basically from February to March, your gut, your gut can't do it. So where are we going? Eventually we go back up, you know, no one's ever, no one's ever lying (laughs) when they say eventually we're going to go back up, but there's still room for the market to drop. And um, you're going to get hurt if, if you don't, you know, lean on a professional to at least help you out for if you're closer to retirement, Definitely lean on a professional. Now, if you're the younger person, um, you know, you can you can kind of afford to just jump into some cool stocks and kind of ride out the storm. I would go on, but I'm going to I'm going to kind awful. of pause there for you for the sake of you guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the good news is that this is a podcast and this is not the only True. episode, um, so we can actually go in more depth, you know, along the lines of topics like retirement and and, and certain topics that can really uh, dive a little bit deeper. And I think this is a really great introduction to, A, who all three of you are and kind of where you're at uh, with the current pandemic. But I think it's a beautiful opportunity as well to talk about any type of emergency that comes your way. um, These are ways for you to strategize. We were talking briefly uh, about how the pandemic has opened up holes that... Maybe you never saw before, for example, Colin, you you discussed, you know, your trainer friend who maybe has to prep now, which she should have probably done before, but now she has to. And this is a beautiful example of how we need to prep our listeners for things that may arise rather than doing it after the fact. So I just want to thank all of you for coming on here. We're going to have another episode come out very, very soon um, to see us in real life, <laughs> kind of check out our YouTube. It's a financial SOS podcast on YouTube and submit questions to financial at gmail.com. What we're going to be doing moving forward is the last 15 minutes of the podcast, we're going to go ahead and address your questions head on. This is an interactive space. So we're here to help in any way that we possibly can and become a resource and adapt during this time. So tune in for the next episode. Thank you again for listening. And we hope to hear from you soon.
2: See you guys later.